0: Hello and welcome to Recruiting in Hospitality from Caterer.com. I'm Lance Notner ryan and in each programme we invite top industry professionals to discuss recruitment, development and retention as well as issues affecting you and your teams. Now in this edition we'll be looking back at our conversations throughout 2019 and I'll be inviting previous guests to talk about their year as well as looking forward to 2020. Let's begin in March when I spoke to Natalia Ribby from Ladies of Restaurants and Alessandra Alonso from Women in Travel to discuss problems facing women in hospitality, as well as the work of their respective organisations.
1: Hospitality—it's—it's it's old school. It's you know working in restaurants. It's a, you know old boys' job, and it—it it has always been very male-driven. So I think we're seeing the end of the the old school era, as I like to call it which I think swept a lot of sexual harassment under the rug and the customer is always right sort of mentality. And we are seeing that shift and change and that's helping women who work in hospitality. But for the most part, visibility, I think, is the biggest issue.
2: I think also, Natalia, I would absolutely agree with you. I think the, you know, the lack of visibility and the lack of mentors was one of the reasons why we started all those years ago, the Shine Awards, to give the role models, to provide visibility so that women could look up and say there are people, there are women doing great things out there. And still today, there is absolutely a need for that. I would say that you know, with awareness over the years has come also a desire to do more women giving back to other women through mentoring, for example, UK Hospitality launching, you know, the Mentory, the Plan B Mentoring recently. Um And also the new generation, what I find is that there are a lot of women out there doing great things. But generally, as it is with women, they are to do too busy doing great things to think about, should I shout about what I'm doing? So in that sense, Absolutely, there is a need of visibility because there are younger generation, chef and, you know, hospitality ladies who are perhaps doing something a little bit off the beaten track. Also in social enterprising, there is a lot of food and, you know, social enterprise sort of collaboration. And there are many women out there. I know of many women in Black and Asian minority ethnic. We've just launched a division that is BAME Women in Travel, specifically to to address their needs for support and visibility, so I think it's also about looking slightly outside the mainstream and thinking what are do- what what are the great things that people that women are doing on the fringe and bringing them up to, you know, to for everyone to see.
0: This year, Caterer.com launched its entry level talent campaign, spearheaded by Michelin starred chef Tom Atkins. I spoke to Tom about the campaign and the role parental influence plays in deciding careers.
3: Well, I think it's 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 highlighting um, you know chefs at the pinnacle of their careers and in terms of the achievements that they have you know have amassed over the, you know a decade or fifteen years and the process of obviously having, having to get there yes it is hard work you know we're not gonna. Sort of cover that up but it is of course it's hard work you know hospitality industry i guess from the stigma of the past is renowned for you know long hours and being unsociable and, and everything else as well it's also you know the balance of having you know the a quality of life which we you know which we all want and having you know the right working conditions and and the right pay and, and all of that it all matters i think in today's world of, of where we are and to attract you know the right people um, into the industry and also giving giving them an education in terms of right you're doing this and these are obviously yes these are these are the hours you're gonna be doing and this is the pay they're going but also I guess in terms of you know a sort of a leg up in terms of where they're going to see where they can advance to in their career. I also fundamentally do that with all you know all my chefs and say right you're gonna be working you know here for you know one year, two years, three years whatever you know their choice is but Where is the bigger picture? Where are you going to go? Where do you want to go? Do you want to be a head chef? Do you want to have your own business? Do you want to go and work on a boat? Do you want to go and work in a private sector? And All these things, because they all have, as I said, fundamentally different uh, routes to get to them. And in terms of, yes, the opportunities in terms of what you can earn as a chef have also increased. If you go into the private sector, you're obviously going to earn a bit more. But I think in terms of, as I said, the future planning of, of where you want to be and where you want to go is an important part of starting the road as a chef because that also can, can make you go you know, into other arenas of, of, of hospitality.
0: Continuing the conversation, Caterer.com held an industry panel in June to discuss entry-level talent. I asked Robert Richardson, General Manager at the Grand Folkestone, about his work inspiring young people into hospitality careers.
4: About six weeks ago we took 20 pupils, uh, pupil premium pupils, so that's students from uh, challenging backgrounds, up to London businesses. It was 20 students, predominantly uh, female, 10 from Kent and 10 from Essex. and We arranged to take them on a tour of Harrods, followed by uh, Preferred Hotels, followed by the Dorchester and ending at Dukes, so four very different businesses offering four very different snapshots of the industry. I'd not met any of these pupils before 9am at Harrods' front door and when we got there we gave each of them a pen and a post-it note and we said, write down your impression of hospitality please. And they did and more often than not it was poor hours, poor wages. Uh, One pupil said slavery, which um, really (laughs) rammed it home, so that was nice. And they drew a very nice picture of themselves behind some bars. uh, (laughs) That we've still got. And we took them into Harrods. They told me it looked like Hogwarts. They had a great time. And that was replicated for other businesses. At the end, we sat them down. We gave them another post-it note and a pen. And we said, now, the same question, tell us what you know about hospitality and we got one fantastic answer which was I did not know hospitality opened so many doors. Mm-hmm. Two of those pupils went on to <coughs> start a uh, work experience programme at one of the hotels, another impressed so much he's got a day working with a uh, superb chef at Leoskwin-Hoburn and it did, as the pupil says, it op- opened some doors mm-hmm. and it is about challenging perceptions. Schools don't, uh, rightly or wrongly, prioritise hospitality in the way that they did previously and if we don't
5: do it,
0: who else is? In August, we looked at the judging process of our Caterer.com People Awards. I spoke to three of our judges, Sarah Hammond from Hush Restaurants, Andy Gilhooley from Soho House, and Kirsten Price from Coke Brasseries about their top tips for a great entry.
3: Firstly, I think the, the best entries for me are where it, the, the tone of the entry shows passion and, and, and also reflects your brand. So, you know, if it's fun and, and that sort of thing. I think... Show your facts. You've got you've got to back up what you're saying, um, and obviously keep it quite relevant. You know, so you, use your word count. But I think the best entries were quite to the point, mm. quite factual based. Um, but as I say, that the tone has to be quite fun as well. I think hospitality is a fun industry, and I think they were the ones that you've got to think if if you're a judge and you're reading several of these, they've they've got to be fun.
2: Um, for me, the top three would be. Um, showing innovation I think you've really got to stand out and show that you are doing something different to the norm something that other people can learn from something that people go wow I really want to go away and give that a go Um, the second thing for me would be about results so I think just as as you said there I think making sure that your numbers are in there showing that what you can have actually achieved is incredibly important Uh, and the third thing for me is tell us a story. I think it's that whole element there of you need to have a beginning, you need to tell us what your challenge was, you need to tell us what the issues you were facing, you then need to really be clear about what actions you've taken and then lastly, showing us the impact that's had on your business.
6: Agreed. I'd probably build on what's been said already. Um, it's about thinking outside the box, um, but as well as that innovation, something that's actually worked. I mean, I read some and I initially I thought, Fantastic, that's a great. And then when I actually thought about putting that into practice. I scratched my head a little bit. So let's see what what were your statistics um, which what were they and how far have they come? Um, and I think sometimes they're missed off and as a judge, that's what you're really looking for. Um, and then something that tells me you actually know your people. so as you said, Andy, the relevance, you know your people, what sort of work face, work sort of workforce. Are you looking to attract what you have in place Um, and how, you know, everything, the retention side of things um, so that we really understand that you know your business. Um, And then the third thing is just not a big budget. You know, even if you think you might not be one of the high flyers, the big players, you can still make a fantastic entry um, because
0: I believe these things don't cost a lot of money. Studies have found that satisfied and engaged employees can be great advocates for your employer brand, both to customers and to future candidates. Attracting and recruiting the best talent for your hospitality business is only half the battle. Finding ways to keep hold of that talent is an ongoing concern. I spoke to Chris Ra from Five Guys, Hayley Connor from Brewhouse
7: and Kitchen and Alice Murray from The Dorchester for their best advice. The opportunities in hospitality, I think, are phenomenal. You, you look at some young up-and-coming general managers who are running multi-million pound businesses and where else do you get that opportunity? And I think as an industry, we take it for granted that people will come and enjoy and stay working here. I think we've got to work a lot harder to make this feel like a career and not just a job. I think the perception is it's it's my first job out of school and then onto my career our job is to change that actually straight out of university you can build a real career in hospitality it shouldn't just be seen as i'm turning my saturday job into now four days a week or five days this is a real career opportunity with amazing opportunities the things you learn running a a, a business managing people your branding your customer a PNL—it's phenomenal, but I don't think if you picked up a job description of a general manager, it'll tell you it's a hugely complex role you're doing. Rather, uh, I think we've got to up our game and, and make it a, a sector that is aspirational rather than a stopgap. Alice, you're speaking to the industry. What do you tell them?
8: It is about rebranding our our industry because it's definitely sometimes looked on as um, as not the ideal industry to go into. Um, you know. Chris is right. It's about making an aspirational place to come and somewhere you can really grow. Um, and I think we've got to start selling that to the parents and to the younger children who are, you know, 15, 16, 17, um, and showing them how awesome this industry can be. Because um, anyone you talk to who, who loves working in our industry is probably a 100 times more passionate about what they do than someone who might work in the city and I think that's what's really special. We see a lot of um, organizations not hiring the sort of 15 16 17 year olds these days and I reckon a lot of people that are now you know in senior positions in hospitality probably would say I started work when I was 14. I did. <laughs> um so and yeah you know I fell into hospitality but it was my first career and I did well in it and I think attracting that age group is really important for progression I know at Brewhouse and Kitchen we do hire that age group we have great risk assessments around it um, but we see a lot of progression at that age and we see a lot of people sticking with us and going through apprenticeships at that age as well and if we can get more people at that age into careers in pubs and in hotels I think that will really support the future pipeline.
0: In November I invited Jay Scott and Julia Morrell from Firmdale Hotels, Joe Simovich for Umbrella Training and apprentice Donatella Galliano to discuss apprenticeship programmes in hospitality. We talked about how modern apprenticeship schemes differ from what has come before and how employers make the most of the apprenticeship levy. I asked each of my guests why apprenticeships are so important in our industry.
9: I think um, they're, they're extremely important to the hospitality industry because they're a great opportunity for for individuals to really invest and develop in their 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 own way forward. You know, they're, they're a great opportunity for people to really kind of get themselves into that growth mindset on. What can I do to develop myself? What support is there? And apprenticeships offer the structure, they offer the opportunity, and I think they offer the, the drive for people to, to really try and invest themselves with the with the correct support um, behind them. You know, it's something we're incredibly proud of here at Firmdale Hotels um, that we have such a great number of people who want to do that and are in that mindset of growth. Um, and it's just really great to be able to work with them in a structure that you can definitely see them you know progressing in their own careers.
10: I completely agree with uh, what Jay is saying. I think at Firmdale we have a large proportion of our employees who come and start with us and they want to know what their career path is or what their personal development plan is and apprenticeships is a key major part of what those personal development plans are for people. It gives them the additional skills and the learning for them to see things differently and to be able to be incredibly successful in their careers it's really interesting what you're saying because you're so focused on the individuals and that's super important um at umbrella training we have started off with individuals are are who we work with they are learners but we have started off with a bigger picture in mind and thought how, how do apprenticeships matter to the businesses that we work with, with hospitality businesses that we are supporting? Um, and apprenticeships are beyond important in uh, productivity of each hospitality business because ultimately by supporting those individuals and providing that structured development um, that leads to certain progression, and that progression is clear, we're allowing the businesses to paint a picture of that progression and keep and retain those um, employees so it's not just about the the individuals it's looking at the apprenticeships as a strategic um strategic development tool for every business in, in hospitality and just to give you an idea of what's happening at the moment the government has um finally got the idea that hospitality is the one of the most important sectors for development of the the country and in july we had the long-awaited sector skills deal being signed and apprenticeships are the key part of that agenda because of that structured development in place so they're important because they will apprenticeships are important because they will make a difference to the productivity of hospitality as a as an industry but also support all of those individuals and businesses in, in thriving
0: you just answered the next question without me asking. Did no, I? So I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's tell okay. Donatella, to you personally, What? how do you feel? Do you think, how has being an apprentice affected you personally? How important has it been in your your career guidance and your your trajectory forward?
11: Well, I would like to relate to what George just said. I literally just finished my supervisory um, apprenticeship of the duration of one year. I think it was the best experience I've had. Um, Hospitality is probably one of the best fields you can apply apprenticeship apprenticeship to, because it's so broad. There is so much to learn about it. so much it involves from operations to being part of a team, supporting a team, and knowing the guests. So much human relation in it. I think it's probably the field that can benefit the most from it, and this is what I've I've learned probably because I went back to my workplace every day not just at the end of it but literally every month after our session seeing my improvement every month i improved a lot in the way i was looking at the team if in the way i was helping them in being the best person they could be helping the company to give them the best environment place the workplace to work and for them to fulfill what what they wanted to fulfill and feel like they were actually part of a team and an objective um it also pushed pushed me a lot into analyzing what i was doing how i was behaving with them so it helps you a lot in your personal development as a person as a worker and as a manager the one in particular I did was to become a manager um i think yeah as joe said it's the probably the the best field and this should go <laughs> This should go on more should happen more
0: Most recently, we discussed the importance of employer brand, particularly in the hospitality industry. Nina Widdecombe from Casual Dining Group gave her best advice on creating a really strong employer brand.
5: So, I think firstly, um, I would say keep it real. So, you have to absolutely make sure um, that your employer branding is aligned to your branding. So, um, to keep that authenticity there, to make sure that Um, They speak to each other and you're not suggesting one thing when in reality it's something else. Um, It has to be aligned. So making sure that that employer branding piece has evolved from your values as an organization and the brand itself is really important. Um, Secondly, I would say embrace social media as part of your employer brand strategy. That's been hugely beneficial for us. Um, So not only did we create the assets and um, come up with the messaging that we wanted to portray, but we've actually then gone that one step further and utilised the whole suite of social media platforms to push those messages out, and I think that's really important. And doing it across different platforms, even ones that maybe you might not be a user of yourself, um, because that is the way of the world these days. Social media is just what people do now Um, and as the um, you know as years go on there'll be new platforms and new variants of social media and it's really important that you keep up to date with that as a company um, and you grow with that trend Um, and thirdly I would say you have to evolve over time as well so uh, it, it's it's work in progress. It's not one of those things that you can just decide, right, we're going to work on our employer branding. Oh, we've got a great employer brand now um, and then leave it because actually you've got to consistently, um, you know, keep that message alive. So um, you've got to, I would say, make sure you go back and um, evaluate your employer branding and make changes and evolve it as, you know, as time goes on. Um, Otherwise, you you risk being stale and you risk it not um, having the same impact as it once did.
0: Our very first podcast focused on mental health and well-being. I spoke to Dawn Turner from Hyatt Hotels, Laura Klein from Hospitality Action, Simon Lewis from Hit Training, Sandia Scott from the Royal Lancaster Hotel about potential changes to mental health awareness in the future.
4: I think it's giving people the time as well and showing that you're giving them your time and I think it's red—it's you know, very difficult in society but also in hospitality it's a really busy industry um, and you know people in HR or your management team have their own targets to reach and their own things they have to achieve and if you've got somebody who needs to you know have some of their time they've got to push something away to do that, but I think if you can take that step back and go, actually, I just need to listen to them. I just need to give them my automated time, I need to turn off, you know, turn off the phone, shut the door, um, give them my full attention, show them my body language, I'm open to listening to them, um, and that I do care, and then people feel that they can open up and they can say what it is. And it's really important to try and build that in, again, to your managers and that they have this ability to have a bit of time that they can give people um, and that it's not all other things they have to to achieve.
12: Um, I think that, you know, a a lot of it is about demystifying what is actually, you know, what contributes to a person feeling happy and and well at work and feeling supported and cared for. And I think, you know, organisations need to go back to the, the basics of what actually... That is, um, you know, Dawn mentioned earlier about how how they run uh, meetings and, and talking about how um, people say they are grateful for for different things and, and how they do those cards, which is a great idea. Um, you don't have to actually do that on a, on a wide scale. You can also do it with your colleagues, which is what we did. You know, um, where we wrote what we called praise cards and we praise them for something that you know we liked about them or that really we we enjoy being part of their life because of this thing. Um, you know, we in, in the Royal Lancaster, we try and start each meeting that we have, whether it be a, a strategy meeting with the This head of the different departments or whether it be the different uh, colleague meetings that we have, we always start it in the format of how, well, how are you today? Um, And, you know, you could assume that employees would always say, oh, I'm good and not want to say how they actually feel. But we found by like asking and constantly asking this, people are slowly starting to open up and say, well, actually today, I feel a little bit stressed because it is a little bit overwhelming. Um, I mean, we work in an inverted hierarchy where Sally Beck, our general manager, views herself as uh, essentially the the least important person in the organization and the most important people. All the people that you would see when you come in to check in or the people that are in the kitchens preparing the food that you would then have. Uh, And we really try and value our employees. And I think that just asking that simple question, well, how are you in in a busy meeting just before you start anything is a great way to do that. Uh, And we always end our meetings with with praises and appreciation. So for example, if we were to end the meeting right now, you would essentially turn to the person on your right-hand side and and show appreciation for something that they have done either during this meeting or, or during the last week when you've been working with them. So it's constantly that supportive network that you're always valued as a person in the organization. So it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be bungee football. Well, it can just be simple things. Well, like, how are you today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: It's it's interesting because we've done a lot of work on mindful leadership over the last 12 months. And obviously that can go to, to, to extremes. But some very simple practices we've put in place that again have become contagious. That when we start a meeting, we say, OK, we're going to take a minute to arrive. And that means that because everyone's so stressed, but they, they take a minute, they gather their thoughts okay, we're all here, we're all starting. And then, and something, and I say it out loud because, well, I just do, that it's take three breaths and what's important now. And it really helps you to refocus. And because we're all running millions of miles an hour, you've got your phone, it's pinging away and you're thinking, oh, I need to do that in 10 minutes. So it it just allows everybody to space to say, okay, yeah, now I'm here. This is what's important. And, and those small practices, anyone can do, really.
0: I now have the great pleasure of inviting some of my guests from over the course of the year back for a catch-up, just to see what they've been up to, and also what their predictions are for 2020, recruitment-wise, of course. No mystic meg business here. Um, now, let them introduce themselves to you. Hi, I'm James. Uh, I am the Head of Talent at D London.
8: Hi, I'm Hayley, I'm head of people and learning at Brewhouse and Kitchen.
6: And I'm Sarah. I'm head of people for Cabana Hush and Hashay, Sweet Potato Group. I'm glad to have you back.
0: Thank you, Lance. Um, so, James, let's start with you. What What have you been up to? You had a few D and D have had a few openings this year, haven't they? Yeah, you are a re-
13: busy boy. Really busy year. Um, so, we opened our second restaurant in New York, and we also have just opened uh, our newest city restaurant. Based in London, um, so yeah, it's been a challenge. Oh challenging yeah, that, that's year.
0: the one I didn't get an invitation to. That, that is exactly that's
13: the one. The one. Yeah. Don't worry, I got missed off that invite. As oh, well. <laughs> bitter. <laughs> uh, how did
0: it go? What was the process like for that for those openings?
13: Really challenging. I've I've done new openings with D and before, and this this year, especially in London, it was one of the most challenging uh, openings we've done, okay. uh, recruitment-wise, uh, finding the talent to come in. Um, Why? I think there's a, a, a shrinking talent pool um, and it's quite evident um, and it became very evident when we were recruiting. Um, so it was, my, I have a team of five and they were constantly working on just one site. Um, we did it, uh, which was uh, fantastic,
0: uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a challenge for us. Hayley. What have you been up to? You've been very busy yourself, haven't you? We
8: have. We kind of had the opposite year to d d restaurants, actually. So um, in 2018, we had actually opened 19 sites in three years. So we had an incredible expansion rate at Brewhouse and Kitchen. And 2019, we made the decision just to stop, consolidate, and really... That's unusual.
0: That's going against what... Because a lot of people are expanding at a race of knots, aren't they?
8: Yeah, but... Um, I think for us is you know we had we had grown so fast um, and we actually fast track we listed on fast track um, 100 companies in Sunday Times um, But when you're growing so quickly your culture sort of um, goes through different stages and last year oh 2019 this year was a really great opportunity for us to really consolidate but also um, embed the culture. What do um, you do? We did a program called Brewing Happiness, um, so it was really about the purpose of our teams and what they're there for. Um, and one of the things that we really focused on was ensuring that our teams um, understood that their guest is not just the person walking through the door paying cash, but each other, the suppliers, and you know all of the stakeholders within brew house and kitchen. Um, and we focused on life skills and well-being skills um with them how they can keep themselves happy so you know their guests um in the collective can be happy so it's it's been a really really powerful project for us and it's you know continuing now we've got monthly induction sessions that run through the bring happiness ethos and Yeah, we wouldn't have had the time if we were still opening at the rate of knots. And it's been a great, I guess, um, energy that's been injected into the business now to go on to 2020, which uh, there's quite a few exciting things in the pipeline.
0: Well, we'll come on to that Um, in in a minute. Sarah, I know you get out and about quite a lot, don't you? You go to a lot of... uh, Well, (laughs) not not like that. Yes. like um, You go to uh, um, round tables and... Yep, uh, networking. And, and yeah, networking and you meet a lot of people in the industry. What trends have you seen emerge over the course of the past year recruitment-wise?
6: Um, Well, to draw on what James said, really, the shrinking talent pool, um, how difficult it is, the war on talent, how we're all fighting for the the best people, really. Um, But it's about doing it collectively, I think, and through through the networking and working with other groups, uh, sharing ideas. We've got some fantastic plans for 2020. Um, And I think as an industry as well, we've got some really exciting things happening. Uh, well, we've got networking group, Beers and Peers, and they've put together an um, uh, impact group. Um, and one of the projects that I'm really interested in, and we'll be working with them on, is the uh, older generation, getting them into the workforce. Um, and at Untapped Talent, the caterer um, recently... Very kindly invited me along to um, their untapped talent event and uh, working with Only a Pavement Away, is we're kicking that off early in 2020, um, as well as other groups similar to, to what Greg's doing with Only a Pavement Away. So, yeah, lots of exciting things.
0: Brilliant. I wanted to come on to Beers and Peers a bit later on and let you tell us all about it. Um, but, James, what what have you seen emerge over the past year? What, you, apart from you know, this constant war on talent, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, skills war as yeah. well and whatever you want to call it but you know what have you seen
13: I think within, within the industry we've it's become very um we've become united against it almost mm, yeah um we're sharing a lot more and I think there is this collaborative effort uh with this talent pool and FYI I promised 2020 I'm not going to constantly going going to keep going on mm-hmm. about how little talent there is we really need to be positive on this but i think joining forces and actually sharing knowledge and actually talking to other brands and businesses when we are recruiting because they have uh they have talent within their business that they need the next step they need a new opportunity and i have in dnd i'm happily sharing candidates to other businesses but i think it's a group effort
10: mm-hmm.
0: how does that work i mean well...
13: Well, uh, well, you'll know that if you work for a company uh, for a certain amount of time, you do need to experience other companies. And I'd rather place candidates, uh, I'd rather place employees of D&D with, can, uh, with brands and people I trust that will look after them and nurture talent rather than just going out into the workforce and, and picking up a job that no one knows anything about. I'd rather be that supportive recruiter that actually pushes them to the next step or to a different brand knowing consciously that they're going to be looked after. And that that improves quality across the board, doesn't it? Absolutely, and I think it's it is that whole part of the uh, the employee journey is uh, securing because if you it, they build loyalty, eventually maybe that candidate that I've just passed uh, across to Sarah is going to come back to me in a few years time and go, "Hey, I remember how cool you were at D and D. Do you have anything for me now? I've learned some more skills. I'm going to come back." Absolutely, and I think it's really important mm. that as a as a industry that we stop being. Uh, so uh, working in silos, and we start uh, doing it as a collaborative. Would you agree with that, Hayley?
8: Absolutely. So um, I think all of our, you know, shrinking talent pools are an industry issue, and the only way we're going to solve it is collectively as an industry. Um, yeah. So I do agree.
0: Sorry, I realised I was getting all hyped <laughs> no, up. No, no, good. That's all. That's all good stuff. That's what we want. That's what we want.
8: Um,
0: Sarah, knowing you as I do, uh-huh. you're a thinker, mm-hmm. um, and you you're an ideas person as well. I mean, what what do you see happening in 2020? Do you see new ways of recruiting emerging and coming to the fore and becoming? Uh, you know, like industry staples. And what um, do you What do you see happening?
6: I think so. I think in, um, our, our, what's the word? The reputation of our industry is has improved over mm. the last years. Stat- statistics show that, and I think that's going to keep growing with, as, as I keep drawing on the the work that we're doing um, to publicise. What a great industry it is, um, and the opportunities within that. That as James was saying, that people can join at entry level and grow quite quickly if they really want to, and we can help nurture that. And there's not many jobs out there that you can do that. So, um, I think we we need to continue banging that drum, the reputation of the industry most definitely, and uh, the the mum and dad's test, as we call it, and how we get how we get that changing thinking to that generation as well I think is really important Um, and things like schools and colleges how we how we tap into speak to them a bit more and going out there and meeting them and showing them what a great industry we are Um, and hopefully if we if we worked collaboratively as an industry we will get those courses that unfortunately have dropped off of the uh, curriculum Um, in recent years we'll get some of those reintroduced somehow some way into colleges and in universities and people can go on and study and then come into the workforce would be fantastic to be seen as a, a really great career that it is
0: is that something you'd like to see haley would you like to see um, more schools and colleges being made aware that you know these are careers that are viable
8: yeah absolutely and I think getting your <laughs> it's about influencing parents and careers teachers i think those are the 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 people that need to be on the industry side now um you still hear stories about um career teachers you know potentially saying if you don't do well in your GCSEs you'll you'll end up working behind a bar which isn't quite what we want um people to be saying actually when you look at the career pathways in hospitality you can go any route you like um i've grown from a kp up to hr now which has been really fantastic for me um and i know a lot of my colleagues have have done the same um but that was because my it was my family's business, so my family were publicans. Um, so yeah, I think re-educating parents on actually, I'm going to be proud for my kid to work in hospitality is going to be really important next year, and um, that will open doors for us in in the sense of a new, you know a younger new talent pool coming in.
0: Absolutely, James D and D's involved with my hospitality world. Uh, are you going to be pushing that forward in 2020?
13: Yes. Uh, it's. What are your plans? My proposal has just gone in for that, actually. Um, and this year we're hoping to expand it outside of D&D so it becomes a collaborative with a, a couple of other restaurant groups. And we're going to push it to a two-week experience rather than just one. Last year was really successful. We've already com- uh, we had a rest uh, of people that don't know we. My Hospitality Week is a series of talks and um, presentations by the chefs and managers in D and D, and then the last the, the pinnacle of the week is a restaurant takeover by college students. Uh, six in the kitchen, six front of house, and then we sell tickets. Um, we'll be doing that again. We've just confirmed the uh, southeastern colleges to do the restaurant takeover, but the t- uh, the My Hospitality Week is now going to be a two week program.
0: Um, has it been a success so far?
13: It has, it has, and I think it it goes back to that, uh, like you're saying about drumming that uh, beating that drum again. You're you're constantly trying to um, put hospitality out there into um, a career choice, and actually going to these career fairs and actually involving these colleges and showing them what it's like to work in hospitality. Um, we want colleges to come in and see our chefs working and. and not think it's a um, uh, one of those kitchens that everyone gets, uh, you swear and you shout. Our kitchens are not like that anymore. But I think there's this public, public perception of what hospitality is versus what it, the reality is. And it's changed so much. And we, we do need to reeducate educate uh, what the industry is about and what, we, what the, the career looks like.
0: This is something that I, I ask um, HR people a lot. How does the industry come together? to make a stand and say this is what we are, are we, you know, it isn't a, a sweary environment anymore it's not, a, it's, not, it's not a bullying environment we're making great strides uh, taking care of people's mental health how do we stand up and, and say that as an industry um, and make a noise about it how do we do this?
13: again i think it's collaborative i think uh the cultures that our industry has in each business are different but they are really good cultures to work in i think it's um publicizing that making sure that we i know it, it, but the social media posts on linkedin and things like that just constantly doing it and it may seem to be falling on deaf ears but i think if we all did that i think the image will change it's going to take time though it's not a it's not an instant fix, unfortunately.
0: Hayley, Beers and Peers, how did it come about? Where did you get the idea? Tell us how it all works.
8: So Beers and Peers came about with um, Carly Pickering from East London Pub Company, um, reached out. um, She was looking for some advice on her CIPD. I just completed mine, so I had a chat with her. um, And we talked about networking. um, And there's so many groups that you can get involved in, in the hospitality, in the wider HR industry. But we're like, hey, let's just reach out on LinkedIn and see if anyone wants to meet up for a beer and we did um, and we had five people turn up which was a nice intimate group um, and then we were like well you know actually let's let's keep this going and um, we again reached out on LinkedIn and all of a sudden we had 60 people going yes we want to be involved in this. Um, so our first big event was in September um, and it's in the format of having a drink and a chat, um, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. And then we always do uh, roundtable events as well. Um, and we split people into small groups and give them tasks and I guess in a workshop format. So people really get involved and put across ideas and we capture all of that um information that they give us and send it out in a a pack afterwards to our um attendees um what we realized pretty quickly afterwards was we had created beers and peers an amazing networking group where people just share 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 and it was amazing we write all this awesome stuff down all of these brilliant ideas down and then we just leave it Um, and i think Unfortunately, we do that a lot in the industry. We talk a lot about, you know, all of these amazing things we can do, raising our profile, you know, with schools, with parents, um, with older workers. Um, but I think now it's it's time to actually do something. Um, so what are you going to do? So from Beers and Peers, we've created a group called Hospitality Impact. Um, and Hospitality Impact are looking after three projects next year. Um, the first project is called Hospitality Proud, and it's all about parent education or parent re-education um, and getting into schools um doing um, the national teachers conferences and really speaking about the industry, what we have to offer. Um, and we'll be sitting up working groups with other HR professionals to to actually implement this i think the really great thing about that is because it's a collective effort there's no sort of uh, employer leading this as such it's hr for hr and um that's what's been really powerful so far um the second project is on your feet which is all about um tapping into the older workers or the welderly. um actually we offer what i would say passion jobs to people like people love gin they love beer they love food and there's a hell of a lot of foodies um in that older generation that would absolutely love to come and work in the industry and work with products that they're really interested in and really proud of. Um, in Brew House and Kitchen we've hired a couple of people from that talent pool just because of our our beer expertise and they absolutely love working with the beer and teaching other people about beer and hospitality have such an amazing... Um, opportunity to bring in people that maybe are only going to do six hours a week but it's actually getting them out the house they're going to be on their feet and um, there's the issue of loneliness as well and you're coming into a really sociable environment and a sociable career Um, and I think that's going to be another really powerful project um a lot of the I guess the plans and the project plans still need to be work, worked out we've got a strategy meeting next week to really set out how we're going to do this next year um the third project is um on chef brains and it's really about research and um, providing the industry with some um free research on what actually our chefs want from us Um, and you know again we've got 60 HR professionals now coming along to beers and peers they have access to all of these chefs and all of you know all of these people we can really like tap in and go right what is it that's going to make you stay in the industry or what can we do to make your work life better um, and develop you what it what is it that you want Um, and we'll collate all of that information and put it out um, to the industry for free it's just something we're going to do collaboratively as a team of HR people in hospitality.
0: Yeah, Hayley
6: and um, Carly have been doing some fantastic work on it. Really, It sounds really like have, it,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Sarah, what plans have you got recruitment-wise for 2020?
6: Um, just really doing more of what we've been doing. Um, we had an opening of, of Haché in Kingston and the recruitment went very well for there, actually. Um, we've got somebody who's um, general manager, uh, worked her way up with us and she's shown a real talent, um, to use that word again, in uh, in recruitment. So she single-handedly staffed the whole restaurant for Kingston. So we're going to be using her skills a bit more, hopefully, maybe within the group. Um, and cause at the moment she's pre- predominantly with Haché. And also just focusing on things like the speed and the candidate, candidate journey, uh, which again, I think all of us in the room are very, very proud of the industry. And by giving that experience from the get-go from the first minute they get in touch with you um a really great experience real friendly um you know interactive personal experience as well um i think is key Um, we will be keeping the personal focus on recruitment most definitely there's all different avenues you can use now but i think that an element of that needs to remain in it so just drawing more of that really and as i said earlier tapping into these other pools which is really exciting
0: James, have you got more openings happening in uh, in 2020? And what, what's, what's going to be your focus?
13: Uh, we do have new openings. Uh, the only one that's been put out to the press yet is Bristol in March. Um, but we should have another three uh, next year. So there's going to be a massive recruitment drive for us uh, that expansion continues. Um, but like Sarah said, it is that uh, uh, pers- uh, that personal approach. Yes, we're growing and yes, there's a lot going on. But we do have to make sure that that candidate journey uh, remains solid and it remains a personable experience. As we say, the talent pool is shrinking. It's a lot about reputation now. So we have to, as a reputational thing as well, you want to be that employer that people enjoy talking to. Even if it doesn't go anywhere and they don't get employed, at least that journey has been a pleasant one and it's uh, an informative one. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, it's going to be a really exciting
0: 2020. Great. Right. Are uh, brew house gonna be opening any more? Are you gonna a- 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 start with a- start again?
8: <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we've got actually some brutels in the pipeline. So Ooh. that's very exciting. Yes. Um but yeah, I guess going the <laughs> love. Beer I beer love it. Yes, big really. um going I guess back to what Sarah said about personal recruitment. That's something and you know, it is a shrinking talent pool and you have to make every single candidate count and give them an amazing experience and that's something we're also yeah. working really hard on to even go to co-defining jobs with them at, at um interview level really trying to create a job that they love that works for them that works for their lives outside of work yeah um
6: and it's not just down to our, us and our, the recruiters mm-hmm. is it it's about um Instilling that in our managers, our hiring managers as well. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm sure we all have them. We had um, somebody who w- wasn't delivered a fantastic experience just recently, and it's a, you know, it's a candidate, and it's about explaining to their manager how the damage that does to mm. to the brand, the the industry as well. So, how
0: do you uh, overcome that? Something like
6: it, that? It, it, it's training, really, isn't it? And it's it's making instilling in people the the need for it to be like we we all agree how how important it is that we get back to people on time then they get that first-class experience and when it goes wrong it's really disappointing so it's about making sure that you you have the right people in the right place i guess
13: and i think i think that will go on that's uh one of the things i think a lot of brands are going to be focusing on in 2020 is that that experience and what that looks like and i think it's a cultural thing Mm -hmm. um as my managers get less candidates applying for their roles and they go But what's happening? Well, they're not on tap anymore. Like you have to make every experience count for them because they are the the future managers that you need to nurture up the ranks. You're not going to get constant uh, candidates coming through the door because it doesn't. The industry's changed. Yeah, that's
0: right. I want to thank the three of you for being great friends to this show. We we started this year, and uh, the support we've had has been. Really magnificent and, and thanks for taking part in all the events that Caterer.com puts on and it's been great. So I want to thank you all and I'm sure we'll be talking again in 2020. Thanks very much.
13: Thank you. Thanks. thanks.
0: I want to thank you all for your support over 2019 and I really hope you have enjoyed these programmes. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify. We're also available on Podbean be sure to follow us on Twitter at caterer.com. That's caterer, D-O-T-C-O-M, likewise on Instagram. You can search for us on LinkedIn and don't forget to check out our blog, which is blog.caterer.com. Recruiting in Hospitality is recorded, edited and mixed at Offset Audio in London and is produced by Lorna Silvestri for caterer.com. I'm Lancelot Narayan. Bye-bye.